I just want to welcome all those watching online. So glad to have you, and especially those watching from the county jail this week. Can we just give them a good hand as they're watching online? We love you. We care for you. Appreciate you so much. You have no idea. Well, I don't know if you heard about George. He went on a vacation to the Middle East with his family, including his mother-in-law. And while he was in this, on his vacation, they were in Jerusalem, and his mother-in-law passed away. And so he, you know, he didn't what to do. So he went to the consulate and, and uh, there in Jerusalem, the American consulate, he goes, you know, what, what, do, what do I need to do to, you know, here's a death certificate. What do I need to do to get her to back home and, and uh, to the States? And he goes, well, you know, this has happened before. And unfortunately, you know, it's a very costly expense and it will cost you about $1,500 and $2,000 just to ship her flyer back home uh, to America. But he said, but, the, you know, here is something, there's another option. There are some people that what's happened to, and, and uh, for $150, you can just go ahead and bury her here in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, so he thought about it for a long while, and finally he says, I don't care how much it costs for me to get this body back to America, I'm going to pay that cost. He goes, wow, you must really love your mother-in-law. He says, no, not really. I mean, what, I just heard about a man that was buried here long ago, and after three days, he came back to life, and I can't afford to take that chance. I just, I got, I got to make sure this is done. Oh, my gosh, I'm playing with you. So we're in a series. It's called Boot Up. Everybody say, everybody go, Boot Up. It's a spiritual battle going on. That's why we're talking about this, because many times we don't realize that, that we are in a spiritual fight um, for our souls. And uh, the moment you receive Christ into your life, unfortunately, you may not have known this, but you also signed up for the army of God. And uh, perhaps you begin to realize shortly thereafter that uh, you do have an en enemy of your soul. And what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10 is true, that there is a devil and he's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so God, in his love for us, has given us um, tools to deal with the enemy. And what I love about the enemy, like one brother told me one time, he says, listen, you know, the devil is nothing more than a roaring lion. I go, I know. Uh, but he says, the thing about this roaring lion is he has no teeth. He just roars. That's all he can do. How many know the enemy is just a roaring lion with no teeth? All he can do is lie, 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 and lie. But God's given us not defensive tools as much as he's really given us offensive tools. And he said in this word that we are actually more than conquerors. You're more than a conqueror. I like that. I like to feel that. I like to know that. That brings peace to me, settling. It brings joy to me to know that I'm more than the conqueror. Now, here's what that means. When you're a conqueror, that means you won the battle. But when you're more than a conqueror, that means that you get back more than you ever lost in the, in the crisis or the situation that you went into. Come on, you are more than a conqueror. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a more than. Come on, you're a more than. You're, you're not just a conqueror, you're a more than a, a conqueror. So let's go look at our text in Ephesians chapter 6, and let's just read this together, starting with verse 10. Can we do that? Put that up there. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Hmm. So therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, that when the day of evil comes, what's the day of evil? The day when the enemy comes knocking on your door and temptation arrives at your threshold, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Here's, here's what we have to work with. And with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. You have to pick up the shield. You got to pick it up. Which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation this morning. And I just want to just say this before we get going that when you get saved, you are issued a helmet. You, you receive Christ into your heart. You make him the Lord of your life. You say, Lord God, no longer is it I that live, but you're going to live in me. Whatever, you're gonna, whatever you say, you call the shots. I'm, I've not done a good job up until now, so you call the shots. And so you give your heart to the Lord. He goes, well, thank you very much. We're going to have a great journey. Here's your helmet. And he gives you a helmet. But how many know you can have a helmet, but if it's sitting up in your locker room, in the locker while the game's going on, it's not going to do you any good. You got, you got to put it on. Somebody say, put it on. You got to put it on. You got to strap it up. We have coach here. We have a couple of coaches here. Coach, what do, what do you say when it's time to play? What do you say? Lock and load. Lock and load. <laughs> I love, I love this. Others say strap it on, whatever, you know, but you got to put it on. I was, uh, the privilege of being a chaplain for several years um, for one of the local high school teams. And, and uh, I remember one particular instance, one of the backups uh, never really got to play much. And his name was called and they called his name. And, and he came up from the back from where everybody was standing. And, and he came right up next to the coach. He goes, you're in, you're in. And, and uh, he just ran onto the field. And they said, come back here, come back here. He turns back around and goes, are you forgetting something? He forgot his helmet. He did not have his helmet on. He was going out there. He was so excited to play, forgot his helmet. And I think sometimes in the body of Christ, we forget that there's a very important piece of equipment called a helmet that we need to put on our head. So why do you need a helmet? Because the helmet protects your brain. Or in this sense, it protects your mind or your thoughts. Have you ever done something and then later look back at your life or that situation and you said to yourself, what was I thinking? What was I, what was I thinking? That was the stupidest decision ever in my life to let that puppy into my house. What was, what was I thinking? Well, listen, we need to protect our thought life because if you're wounded in your head, you're going to have a hard time working the rest of your equipment that you have been given by the Lord. So many, it's interesting to me how so many good things can be happening in our lives. And yet we struggle and 
and we let our minds just think about the few little negative things that are going on, which I got to give an innocent plug to mission trips. That's why I so desperately want to see, you know, travel open back up so we can get you all into a third world country. That is my goal. I told someone recently, I said, my goal for Summit Church is for half of everyone in our church to go to on a short-term mission trip and because it will change your life. Now, I'm not talking about the Cancun. <laughs> you know, I can sign me up, coach. I know I'm talking about a mission trip. You know, where it's not comfortable, where it's a little hard, you sweat a little bit, and you, you don't eat, enjoy the uh, comforts of home. Because I promise you, not only will you be a blessing to those people that can't believe you would actually come to visit them, but you will also be blessed on your return back because you will realize that you had a whole wrong perspective going on. You had a little head change on the process. So I encourage you, man, if you really want to see the Lord change some perspectives in your heart, in your life, and if you want to be a blessing at the same time, go get your passport. It all starts right there. Come on, a passport. If you have a passport, raise your hand. You have a passport, you raise your hand. All right. If you look around, someone next to you didn't raise their hand, you need to tell them, you can get the passport. We need to get that taken care of. We got to get that taken care of. But with so many good things happening, why do we struggle with negative thoughts? Let me just say 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Can we read that? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, because the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. No, on the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. In fact, can we just say strongholds? Mm, we have strongholds in our minds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Everybody say every thought. We take captive every single thought to make it obedient to Christ. Man, I love that. We take captive. I, I was researching that word. To, to take captive literally means it's the Greek word I'm not even going to try to say it, but it means to be led away captive, to be led away captive. It, I, I got the picture, some of you here uh, may know the, the show Gunsmoke. One of my, I think Pastor Kemp's one of my, Pastor Kemp, it's our go-to show when we want to relax, we want to see Matt Dillon arrest the bad guy, you know, and... And so in, in the Gunsmoke show, you got Festus and Matt Dillon, and every single time Matt Dillon, you know, gets the bad guy, and, and then the, the guy's laying there on the ground, and Matt Dillon's got his gun pointed at him, and he says, Festus, lock him up. And Festus is like, he jumps in there, and he just, just like manhandles him, turn around, he puts the handcuffs on, and he leads him away, and he gives him the riot act the whole way out, and, and, uh, and Matt Dillon stays there with Miss Kitty, and they talk about the whole situation for the next couple of minutes, and, and that's how it just kind of usually is. I, that, that, that word to take captive is the Festus situation, where, where when, you, when your thoughts are going in your mind, what the God is challenging us is to, is to put the handcuffs on the thoughts and to lead them away where they're not even anywhere near the environment, your environment anymore. You, they're out of sight. They're in another place. You're not even in that realm anymore. You have to take the thoughts captive and lead them away. They're not like hanging around on the peripheral. They're, they're totally gone. They're locked up in another cell. Take captive. I like what T.D. Jake said. Let's put that up on, on the screen. I love this. He said, with every blessing, there is a battle. 
But in some ways, the greater the blessing, the greater the battle. I think of maybe a robber that wants to come and he wants to rob your house. Well, let me just say this. A robber, if you, if you're, if you're, if you are living in a doghouse, the robber's not interested in you. Can I just say that? If you're, if you're living in a tent out in the woods, odds are a robber's not going to stalk you and steal from you. He really doesn't, he doesn't care about your pot or a couple of pieces of firewood that you have. But if you have things, if there's some things of value that you have in your house, then I promise you that robber will be coming your way. He's looking for something to steal from, a house full of riches. Not, he's not looking for an empty house. And when you come to know Christ, you will begin to fill your house with riches, riches of godliness and holiness and integrity and goodness and mercy and peace and joy. Your house begins to be filled with these incredible gifts, and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Paul says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, we just read it, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What is a high thing? A high thing is that thing which is coming against what I know of God to be true. That's a high thing. I know God is a loving God. Well, that didn't seem to be a loving thing that just happened to me. And if God's a loving God, how come that happened? Guess what? You're just being attacked by the enemy. You see, it's what he always does. The enemy always, he's done it from the very beginning of time in the garden with Adam and Eve. He says, did God really say that? That's what he says. That was the first conversations out of the gate with Adam and Eve. He questioned, he tries to cause Adam and Eve to question the integrity of God. And so the enemy comes and he goes, well, if God's a God of love, how come this happened? If God's a God of love, how come that happened? He, and that, guess what that is? That's called a high thing because it begins to challenge what you know about God to be true, but yet what you're seeing in, maybe in the natural isn't lining up. So he, he brings that in and becomes a high thing. And you put on top of that an imagination. What is an imagination? That's the part of you that goes, well, I know, I feel like God wants me to do this, but what if it doesn't work out? Or what if I'm not good enough? What if, the what ifs, the imaginations, the, the, the what ifs, the perhaps, perhaps it's not the right time. Perhaps I'm not the right person for the job. Perhaps I'm not educated enough. I'm, perhaps, uh, you know, there's someone better than me for that. Or, per, or maybe it's not a perhaps or a what if. Perhaps it, maybe it's a possibly. Possibly this could go wrong. Uh, possibly this could ruin me emotionally. I, I don't know if I want to take this step of faith. I, I, I don't know. Guess what? We're back. We're battling against a high thing. We're battling against an imagination that's not real. We have to step out of faith and we say, God said it. And if he said it, I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to take a step and I'm moving forward. I'm casting down the high thing. I'm casting down that imagination. So really the reality is it's a head fight, not a heart fight. The heart many times deals with our feelings. 
But the head deals with what? It deals with facts, it deals with truth, it deals with knowledge. And the enemy wants to come and he wants to cut off your head so you begin to operate out of your feelings. He don't want you operating out of truth. He he doesn't want you to, to take God's word, to value it as truth, and then begin to live your life from that. He wants to cut off your head. So you live out of your feelings. Oh, I, I, think, uh, I think I'm not feeling it today. What does that mean? Well, I don't think I, I should go to work. I'm just not feeling it today. I, I don't know, just, I'm not feeling it. What do you mean we should break up? I don't know, I'm just not feeling it. We, 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 we've been married for 10 years. I don't know, I'm not feeling it, I don't know. Today, I just don't feel it. I, I mean, 10 years ago, I, but not, I don't feel it right now. I think I should just cut it loose here. What? I, some of you have been watching the Olympics, and, and uh, I, I've, I've always been fascinated with the Olympics. It's unfortunate the first events out of the gate was you know, some crazy stuff going on, but there's a lot of good people that have sacrificed a lot in the Olympics. And, and one of the things I was kind of fascinated with was this young girl named Simone Biles from Spring, Texas. Um, she, she's a, the greatest gymnast in the world, by far. No one even close to her. The girl is so powerful in her legs, in her arms, in her body, that she does things that no one else can even do. She, she does stunts and tricks or whatever, flips and things, that no one can do, and then she names them after herself. She's like got several little things that named after her that no one else can do because she's the only one who can do them. The number one gymnast in the world. The second, I think, most um, highly rated athlete in America. I think she brings in the second highest money of any athlete in America. She's endorsed by everybody. Everybody loves this young lady, second piece, paid high athlete. She, she, she's in the Olympics this past week. You probably saw the story if you kept keeping up with the Olympics. And she, she's ahead. She's, it's the you know, team events, you know, three, three people from every country, and they compete against the other teams of other countries. And, and then the following week is the individual competitions of everyone. And so she's part of the three-part team of America, and, and, and she, she's doing great. And she's, you know, made, she's leading, you know, uh, everything and doing good. And and she makes one stumble. She makes one mistake. Still in the lead. After that, still in the lead, comes off of the floor and says, "I quit. I'm done. You're done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not. Someone else can take my place. I'm not." I'm not competing anymore. Would you? Wait, 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 wait. Compute, compute, compute. That doesn't even make sense. You, what? Are you, did you hit your head on that last event? I mean, are you have a concussion? What's going on? Are you injured? No, I'm not injured. Nothing's broken? No. You, nothing's hurt? No. What, 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 what do you mean you're quitting? She said, my head's, I messed up in my head. You, you, you made one little step. It's a little wrong step, okay. But you're the number one athlete in the, in the world. I'm done. I'm reading this article, I'm like, seriously, you're done? 
She goes, yeah, I don't even think I'm going to compete next week in the individual, Olympics, individual thing. I'm not clear in my head. And everybody's going, everybody's going, we celebrate this woman, the courage to quit. The courage she has just to lay down and go, I'm concerned about my mental space, you know? Such courage it takes, you know, on such a platform. And sure, I, listen, I have no idea what the woman's gone through. I'm sure there's pressure beyond pressure. I'm sure of that. But you know what? Give me 15 minutes with the girl. <laughs> let me just talk to the girl. And let me just remind you who you are. And let me remind you what you've called to. Let me remind you of your purpose. And let me remind you that there's something going on up in your headspace right now that's not good. It's not healthy. And it's telling you that you're not good enough and that you're going to fail everybody in the world and, you, and, that, that, and that you're not loved if, you're not, if you don't fulfill all of your, your tricks. Can I just tell you, it don't matter if you mess up on all the rest of the tricks. Uh, just hang in there because we love you for who you are. Now, come on, get back in the game and do your little flips. That's what I would tell her. But no, we celebrate her because she's got headspace problems. And we should acknowledge that. No, let's deal with imaginations. Let's deal with high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and who we are in Christ and what he's called us to do. Because the reality is, whoever gets my head gets me. It wasn't like to, it wasn't a, a, a broken bone here that eliminated the greatest athlete of all the Olympics. It wasn't a broken bone. It wasn't a fractured toe. It wasn't a pulled muscle. It was, I'm not thinking right. And what an analogy, what an illustration for us today that God, can, that God wants to use us in so many great ways, but we allow the enemy to come in into our headspace and tell us some lies. We believe the lies, and we sit on the bench, and we watch everybody else do the things, and we cheer them on when we could have been out there leading the charge. But no, we let something get up in our brain because we didn't put the helmet on our head. Every thought, every thought, that little thought that came in her head was just one thought, which led to another, which led to another, was just that one thought. She let down her mental guard. Her, her abilities physically were awesome and great. But the head was recently, one of our young people in our church, they do rodeos and are into rodeos and all that kind of stuff. I think it's fascinating. And, and, uh, and she, was, she, she does the barrel races and all that kind of stuff. And so I went to watch her do, uh, to, to compete uh, last couple of weeks, a couple weeks ago. And here this is, you know, maybe a 100 pound young little girl, maybe, I don't, you know, 115 maybe pounds. And this 500 pound beast she's sitting on top of and she's making that beast do whatever she, she says do. You know how come? Because she had her reins on his head. She wasn't leading the horse by the rear. She 
she had her hands on the reins and the reins were in a bit on her head and wherever she pulled that rope, that, that rein, her, the head went and wherever the head went, the horse was surely to go. It's all about whoever gets the head. If the Lord has your head, if God has your head, you'll follow him and your, your footsteps will be led by the Lord and he will guide you into life. He will guard, guide you into good things and into pleasant things and green pastures. And Why? Because he's got your head. Ask your neighbor this morning, who's got your head? Just ask him, who's got your head? If I'm wounded in the head, I'm pretty much out of the game. I mean, you can cut me on the leg and I'll just bandage it up or, you know, cut here or there. You can slice my finger off. You can slice my hand off. I'm still in the game. But you wound me in the head? I mean, I'm pretty much done. I remember years ago, my, my, my mom, she, she, she wanted to become like the farmer's almanac farmer's wife. And so she's, she decided, she's, she's watching online, hey, mom, I love you. And uh, <laughs> she decided, we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna kill chickens and we're gonna you know, pull the hair, the, the feathers out and we're gonna boil them and we're gonna, we're gonna you know, make our own chicken stuff, whatever. I'm like, this is a crazy, we can just go in town, there's a grocery store, has got all that stuff right there, packaged nice and neat, already taken. No, we're gonna do it. So we got these chickens, some neighbors, she bought some chickens from the neighbors and she brought them, she told me, go get those chickens. So I got the chickens and, and she started boiling a big old black kettle of water and, and, and she goes, now son, I want, you, I want you to kill those chickens. I said, well, how, how do you do that? She goes, you gotta chop the head off. I'm like, well, that's kind of mean. She goes, well, we're country people. This is what we do now. I've never cut a head off a chicken. And what do you do? She goes, I don't know. Just figure it out. So I went and grabbed a stump and chased the chicken down. And I got him by the legs. And he's just like, you know, trying to get away. And I don't blame the thing. I finally just kind of got the, the head somewhere close to the to the chopping block and I whacked that thing and half the head came off and the other half's on. And I'm like, ah, blood's going everywhere and I let go. And that thing's <laughs> running around and said, Mom, what? This chicken's running around with his head cut off. Up until that time, I thought that was just a saying. It was, no, this is the what happens. I think this is a picture many people call the body of Christ. We just run around. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> Brouncing into stuff, running into stuff. I said, what do I do? I said, I think he'll probably die at some point. And he did. Traumatic. I, I didn't sleep for days. Just seeing that poor little chicken. Now we're going to eat this thing. I'm like, what? This is just, this isn't right. Whoever gets the head usually gets everything. Uh, Genesis chapter four. There's a story about a guy named Cain and a guy named Abel. They're brothers, in fact, the brothers of Adam and Eve. And so God had 
already instituted a way to worship him, and that was to bring a sacrifice. And the way it worked is, is that you would kill an animal and take the blood of that animal and, and that sacrifice, and you would bring it to the Lord. And, and it had to be something costly, something that, was, that you loved and that was valuable to you, and, and you sacrificed it to, to him, keeping him as number one in your thoughts. And he realizes that this relationship that he has with you has cost you something. And so this is how it was supposed to be. And so Abel comes and he brings the Lord a sacrifice, a lamb and kills it and offers it to the Lord. Cain, he was a farmer. He could have bought a lamb. He could have bought one of, you know, uh, Abel's lambs. He, he could have found a, an animal for that matter. But instead he brought God a, a bag of groceries some of the best, you know, of his fields, some, perhaps some corn, maybe some grapes, some, some things, and he laid it on the altar before God, and God's like, um, hey, champ, uh, this isn't what I asked. In fact, this probably didn't cost you hardly anything. I'm asking you if you're gonna love me, we're gonna be in a relationship together, there's gonna be times where it costs you something. So, so I'm, I'm not really gonna receive that, that offering you're giving me. The Bible says that Cain went away angry. His temper flies up. He's like, what? You can just imagine this dialogue he's having with God. What do you mean you're taking my, it's just as good as his. It's not what I asked, but it's a, it's a sacrifice. I, and the Bible says that he went around and began to sulk. Have you ever met a sulker before? Just maybe you've done it. You know, you sit in the corner and just, you know, just want to make everybody feel bad for you having a little pity party. and No one wants to be around you when you're like that. And really no one feels sorry for you. No one, we, we, we want you to rise up. And, and he's just sulking and he's having a pity party and he's having an attitude. And God comes to him and says, hey, what in the world's going on? What, what, what's happening with you? And he says to this, she says this to him. If you don't do well, Cain, let me say, if you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. It's out to get you. You've got to master it. He's saying, listen, there's something right there outside the door. I remember one day I opened up the door and I walked out and I turned around to close the door and I just happened to glance down and there between the door and me was a snake. That door never got shut. It just, just I'm like, oh, oh. Have you, I mean, sin is there ready to pounce on you. Just, read, just, just waiting for you to open the door. Abel lived by truth. He lived in his head. He, he knew what God wanted. Cain lived by his feelings. He lived by his heart. And God said, if you'll just change your actions, I'll bless you. Just change your actions and you'll be blessed. And just change your actions. Not one time do we ever see Jesus living out of his, his, his soulish realm. He always operated with his helmet, if you would, a helmet on his head. 
You never hear, you never see one instance of Jesus going, you know, guys, say, look. I, I'm not feeling it today. I mean, you know, I just, I just don't think like anyone's listening to me. I I'm like, someone said the Sanhedrin like wanted to kill me. What? I need a break. I need, I need a break. I mean, do you all not understand? I don't even need to be here right now. I'm only here because I love you. I don't need this mess. I don't need all this drama. I, I think I just need to go up on a mountain and hang out with God and never even come back down again. I, I, don't, I don't need this. I, my head hurts. Some people follow me around saying, fish, fish, bread, bread, feed us, feed us. And they don't understand it's about a kingdom, man. It's a kingdom thing. These are idiots I'm working with. Do not anybody understand what I'm going through? You don't read any of that. You don't read any of that. Why? Because he, he didn't operate out of his heart, out of his feelings. He operated with this understanding that we, we had put on our helmet and, and it's by the word of God. In fact, when he had a reason to live by his feelings, he was been fasting for 40 days, no food. He's out in a wilderness. He's baking him up out there. He's tired. He's weary. He's hungry. The enemy goes, the devil goes, hey, man. But you just you can turn that stone right there into bread right now. Just go ahead and do it. And Jesus, he could have been like, oh man, that that, that looks like a that looks like some raisin bread right there. That's right. I, oh, and he could have been all up in his imagination. But he said, nope, nope. You know what he says? Get behind me. Man, don't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What is he doing? He's operating out of his head. He's, he's operating with a renewed mind. He's operating with thoughts that are godly thoughts, thoughts that came, originated from this word to hear. And that's how we live our lives. We, we operate our lives not from the, 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 the heart space. It comes from, the, from this, this knowledge of God and his word and truth and what it is. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and God's people live together in unity. In fact, it is like, he says, precious oil poured on the what? Didn't say the foot. Didn't say the hand. Didn't say your kneecap. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And then you take Psalms 23, 100 chapters before that, where you're familiar with. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and do what? You anoint my what? My head with oil and my cup overflows. What is your head? It's your thoughts. The anointing flows from your thoughts. It comes from your head. It comes from an understanding of who you are in Christ. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are saying around you. The anointing flows down your head. So great. So great is the, the 
anointing, to put that scripture one more time up there, that last one, on your head, the anointing flows, that it says it runs down the beard, down the collar, um, the, 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 the Psalms 23 one, the Psalms 23 one, put that, and look at this, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, you, you got a cup, you, you got a cup of coffee, like a cup, a coffee cup, you, you're standing here, and all this oil is just, and you're like, Woo, my cup is overflowing. I have anointing. I'm anointed by God. My cup overflows. It comes from this understanding that you walk with and you live with on a daily basis. Come on, church, do you feel me? We're going to have to, if worship team wants you to come on, we'll, we'll, we're going to have to do the, the, the second part next week. <laughs> but here's, 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 listen, I'm not the devil. But if I was the devil, just saying, if I was the devil, here's what I'd do. I would make sure that you were constantly living with a foggy mind. You ever hear people talk like that? I just feel like it's just kind of, my, my, my brain's cloudy today. I can't think right. I'm just like, it's not clear. That would be, that would be my tool, that would be my goal. I want to keep your head cloudy. I want you, I'm going to fill your head with I'll allow a little faith to come, but then I'm going to put some doubt in there. And I'll I'll let a little um, courage from time to time, but but I'm going to put fear in there too. And I'm going to to make sure that, that you're never really clear, that you always have this like doubt and apprehension and stress. Oh yeah, I'm going to throw some of that on you. Really? Oh, stress. Woo! Now I'm anxious. And, and I'm going to make sure that, that, that you're, you're not living with this, this hope of glory. Because if you're not living with, if, you're, if your head is foggy, you're not moving forward. You're going to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else do their stuff while you're trying to get some headspace cleared up. It doesn't have to be that hard. My friend, you have a helmet. It's sitting right there at your feet. And all you have to do is reach down and grab the helmet of salvation and put it on your head. Just gonna put it on your head. See, Lord, I, I am going to make sure that my head stays in tune with your word. I'm going to know your principles. I'm going to know your promises. And I'm going to operate from what your word says to me. Greg Grissel says this, your family, your organization, your kids, your grandkids all reflect how you think. They all reflect how you think. And if you don't like what you have, then change the way you think. I like that. If you don't like what you have, 
Just change the way you think. It's a helmet thing. It's a head thing. It's a thought thing. It's a mind thing. It's thoughts after thoughts after thoughts. Thousands and thousands of thoughts come into your mind every single day. And every single one of them has to go through the filter of God's word and his kingdom. Amen? You should bow your heads with me this morning. Our altar team come and stand up here if you wouldn't mind. Prayer team. But if you're here this morning, you would say, man, you know, I got to get this right. And my life isn't right with God, period. I, I don't even know if, if I were to die today, I don't know what, even what would happen to me eternally. Let me just tell you this morning, here's the good thing that God, God wants to set you free. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for you. He's got desires for you, things to fulfill. And this morning, you can know the Lord as your personal Savior. You can be born again and begin to operate with thoughts that come from a heavenly dimension, not from your soul. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's, that's called freedom to me. That's called freedom. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, and you would say, Pastor JP, I, I feel today that I need to draw a line in the sand. I need to invite Jesus into my, I need to let Jesus take my life I, and take control of my life. I'm gonna give my life to him. I'm gonna surrender my life. I'm gonna give him ownership, complete ownership, 100% ownership of my life. I'm gonna make that decision today and I, I'm gonna to stick to it, I mean it. Maybe you made that decision before but you walked away, that's okay. You come back and make that decision again. Heads bowed, eyes closed, you say, Pastor JP, that's me. I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. Right where you're at, would you just raise your hand? Let me see that hand, just hold it high. Let me see it, yes and yes. Come on, who's somebody else? I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. Raise it high, let me see that hand. I wanna make him Lord of my life, yes. I wanna make him the Lord of my life. Anybody else? I, yes, I see that hand on my left, you're, you're right. I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. Today's the day, amen. I just wanna say a prayer with you, right where you're sitting, right there. And it's called the prayer of salvation. And I'd just like for you to repeat this prayer. I found some people not familiar with praying. It's not it's comfortable to them. So I'm gonna help you in your first, first prayer out of the gate. In fact, if we could all just join in, I'd appreciate that. But can we just say this prayer? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. And thank you for listening to this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. As simple as that little prayer is, is how easy it was to come into a whole new kingdom. Now listen, listen to me, it's very important. You prayed that prayer we do not want you to leave here without a Bible. We have a Bible we're gonna give you outside. There's a tin out there. We're gonna give you a Bible. And we're gonna give you a couple of things that we'd like for you to read. They'll tell you about your new journey that you have in the Lord. 
Second thing we're going to encourage you to do is jump into our journey class. It takes place every Sunday right after our service, and we want you to come and be a part of that. And for everybody else here this morning, I just want to have a word of prayer for you. I believe God wants to do something marvelous in your head today. In fact, I know this sounds silly, and it probably would seem silly, but I'd just like for you to put your hands on your head. Would you do that? And let me lead you in a prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us new thoughts. We thank you that you've given us the mind of Christ. And today, Lord God, we lift up our heads to you, our mind to you. Begin to flow in a new way. Begin to flow out of our minds, out of our lives, your thoughts that are holy, that are true, that are righteous, that are godly, that are good in every perfect thing. Lord, let it be praiseworthy. Come out of our mind in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we stand before the Lord? Can we just all stand and just worship Him this morning, church? Come on, let's love on Him this morning and thank Him.